Well, welcome to our second installment of Mile Markers. We find ourselves in downtown Selma, Alabama. I want to say hi to my mom who always watches online. And you could probably hear we're right in downtown, so you're going to hear some cars and some traffic. But you also see this iconic bridge behind me. We've been talking about mile markers because mile markers are things that help you understand where you are and the progress that you're making. And I believe there are some spiritual mile markers that are really, really important that God has for us, and it brings us to this site. Last week, we were in New Orleans talking about living a life bigger than yourself. Well, this week, the mile marker is about how you see people. On this site, you probably have heard over the last few weeks, a 25-year-old man named John Lewis gathered 400 peaceful protesters to march across this bridge and on the way to the state capitol, on the way to Montgomery. But before they could really get started, they met with a line of white state troopers that put an end to this march. The governor, Governor Wallace at the time, issued a decree that said that this, this march was unlawful and the state troopers were charged with stopping the march. Well, it wasn't a peaceful end to this march. The state troopers got their batons out and began to beat the, the protesters. And John Lewis fractured, got his head fractured in that and is a very famous picture of John Lewis being beaten. John Lewis says later in 2010, I thought I was going to die. That Sunday was called Bloody Sunday. And, and the thing about that, John Lewis is quoted as saying here, we're marching today, is what he said, we're marching today to dramatize the nation, to the nation, and dramatize to the world that the hundreds and thousands of Negro citizens of Alabama are denied the right to vote. Right here at the Edmund Pettus Bridge is where that really became really the focal point for the nation. And it was because of the bravery of John Lewis that allowed us to pay attention to how America, how the people in control, how the, how the people in power saw the African-American community. Martin Luther King is quoted as saying, if the worst in American life lurked in Selma's dark streets, the best of American instincts rose passionately from across the nation to overcome it. The Civil Rights Voting Act was passed shortly after this, and this place became a marker for people standing up for the right to vote. Now, don't miss the irony, the paradox, or the tragedy. This bridge is named after a general in the Confederate Army who was not only a senator, but he was also the leader of the Alabama Ku Klux Klan. But it was John Lewis and those faithful, brave protesters who stood up for their right to vote that made this place famous. It was 400 uh, brave protesters who made this place historically significant for our lives today. You see, a mile marker of how you see people is really, really important because how you see people, really how you see yourself, dictates how you're going to treat people. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, 
You've got to come to a place in your life where you begin to see people the way God sees them. And if you don't see the way people the way God sees them, you're going to be in a place where you see people the way the culture sees them, or the world sees them, or the, or, or, or the way your friends see them. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, God's asking us to rise above that and see people the way He sees them. Jesus talked about this quite a bit. In fact, um, Jesus talked about this in a parable that I want to read today that I think will really help you kind of understand this mile marker. Here's the story. Jesus wanted to prove a point, and he comes and he says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So Jesus is about to tell a story that's really important, and it's important for you and for me. And there's two characters in the parable that Jesus is about to tell. And you and I are one or both of these characters. So pay attention. Jesus is telling this story because we need to hear it today. Here's the story. It says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Now, in that culture, you couldn't get two more distant people than a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee was the religious person that was devout, well-learned, studied up, devoted, strictly disciplined. And when people in that culture, that first century culture, would think about religious people, the ultimate to the religious person, and the person assumed to be closest to God was the Pharisee. Well, on the other end of the spectrum was the tax collector. This tax collector was the most hated in the culture of that day. And the reason was that the tax collector was thought of to be a common thief. Actually, the worst kind of thief. The state empowered him to go into your uh, household and take your property and your money for the state's benefit, for the government's benefit, and then he would pad his pocket with extra. And everybody hated the tax collector. In fact, um, it was thought of when Jesus was accused of hanging around with the wrong people, he was thought of that Jesus, it was said that Jesus hung around sinners and tax collectors, a special kind of sinner. Now, Jesus gravitated toward tax collectors and sinners. In fact, Zacchaeus and the apostle Matthew was, were tax collectors. So Jesus gravitated toward. But what I want you to see, there's two characters, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Which are you? And here's what it says. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers and evildoers and adulterers and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. So you can see what Jesus is setting up here. The tax collector came and said, God, thank you that I'm not like these. Now, I said at the beginning of this parable, you're one or both of these characters. So before you write off this a Pharisee is, well, thank God I'm not like the Pharisee. Just remember, that's exactly what the Pharisee was doing. He was saying, thank God I'm not like these other people. 
that I'm righteous, that I'm uh, feeling good, that I'm not doing bad evildoers or thieves or tax collectors. And he felt good about his position with God because he was doing good things. He was uh, fasting twice a week. He was very devout in his religious practice. And he was giving a tenth away. He was giving money away. And I just want you to stop for just a minute and think about how good you might feel about your position, the mile marker of your life, because you do very good religious things, you don't do bad things, and you feel like that's what God's expecting of you. But the Pharisee missed it completely, okay? He saw himself as righteous because he saw himself better than other people. That's the perspective that you've got to look at. He saw himself as okay because he could find other people that he found to be better. And look what happened. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast, a sign of grieving and mourning. And he said, God, have mercy on me. And then look at his definition a sinner. He self-defines himself as somebody who is not perfect and has missed the mark. So the tax collector had a, a view of himself that was completely different. When the Pharisee was saying, thank God I'm not like these evildoers and that I do good, and that makes me right with, my, with, with the Father. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, and he just kind of had this arrogance and pride about him because he could compare himself to other people. But the but the tax collector was completely opposite. He said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He couldn't even look up to heaven. He had a more realistic view of his life and his position with God and where he stood. He didn't look at other people to find his sense of worth. He wasn't in the performance trap. He didn't have this religious ideal of good and bad. He recognized that he was bankrupt spiritually and it created a humility and this was quite a surprise when Jesus was telling this parable because look how he sums it up Jesus says this I tell you that this man the tax collector rather than the other the Pharisee went home justified before God his creator for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, what a warning. What a warning, indeed, that Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be a day when this Pharisee faces the holy God who created him. And at that moment, all of his righteous deeds are going to be like filthy rags to him. And he's going to be humbled. So you got to be careful, and I've got to be careful, because there's been times in my life, you can think about this, as a pastor, as a preacher, that I felt spiritually superior to other people, because I've done good things, and I've stopped doing some bad things. And, and all of a sudden, what we start doing, this is a self-righteousness that is really an indignation to God. And what it causes us to do is look down on other people. But the tax collector had a humble view of himself. He had a realistic view of himself. And he understood, he understood that he had no hope without the grace 
and the mercy of God. This is a vulnerable but advantageous place to be with your Creator. The fact that you're not trying to justify your behavior, or you're not trying to measure up to some standard that you think is out there, but you just fall at the feet of God saying, Oh, woe is me, beating my chest. Without the mercy of God, I am hopeless. Without God's love and grace, I don't have a chance. You see, this is important because the way we view ourselves, and we're all insecure, dictates how we're going to treat other people. And it's when we see ourselves the way God sees us, we're able to treat people the way God would have us treat them. This is where racism really is formed. Since 1965 and really beyond that, So much great legislation has been put in play in our country. And I thank God for that legislation. The legal system had to change in order to give minorities any opportunity at all toward equality. But prejudice and and, and racism isn't going to be legislated out of our country because it's an issue of the heart. And you and me are guilty at times of looking down at other people. Maybe it's because of the color of their skin or their socioeconomic position or their vocabulary or their education or their looks. Racism is this same idea that Jesus was talking about here is that because of the color of somebody's skin, we feel better than them. And if we're holding the power, then we lord it over them. And that's been the history in our country, and that's changing. Racism isn't going to be legislated out of our country now. It's an issue of the heart. It's the way we see other people. And followers of Jesus Christ have to lead the way. We have to see people the way God sees them. And he sees us all equally bankrupt spiritually and all equally needing a Savior. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are better than the other. As devout as you think you are and as much as you think you know, we are all loved equally by our Creator. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have got to come to a place where we can not only love other people regardless of where they're coming from, what they believe, or what they look like. We've got to fight for their right to be treated fairly and equally and justly. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ does. So in order for us to really make a difference in this racism um, problem that we have in our country, it's not going to be more talking heads talking about the evils of race that we all agree, or most of us agree, and maybe we all don't all agree, but we should all agree that racism is sin and judging a person by the color of skin or treating them differently because they're from a different background is an, is an abomination to God. But that's only going to end when our hearts change and our perspective changes. And it starts with you and it starts with me. And I've got to look deep in my heart and I've got to figure out, do I look down at people because I'm better educated or because... I am in a different place in life or because I'm white? Well, that's a problem. 
That is the problem. Racism is going to really begin to change in our country and the way we look at people when we have a transformation of our heart and our thinking and our mind. That's when it's going to happen. And it started in our country long before 1965 here, but 1965 when John Lewis and those protesters walked across this bridge, he began to change the way America thought about black people. And we've got to pick up that mantle, the same mantle, and we've got to see people, all people, as God's created, beloved children. And we've got to treat people equally. For sure. You know, a good marker on this, you won't classify your friends as I have some black friends or I have some white friends. You just have friends. Those are big, big changes in just our thinking because this mile marker of people is so important. Look what Paul says this. Paul says it this way. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female. That is so controversial in the first century. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So th- that might not sound like a big deal to you. But in the first century, that was revolutionary idea that there was no Jew or Gentile, there's no separation, there's no slave or free, that God sees us all equally. There's no male or female. Are you kidding me? You see, when you start following Jesus Christ, all of a sudden things begin to change on how you view people. This mile marker of people is really important. How you see yourself and how you see others is going to demonstrate how you treat other people. So we stand at this historic site. I mean, really, this is, you know, driving up on this bridge is almost like a sacred moment for me. It's like, man, people really sacrificed here to change the way the world viewed the African-American community. And it began a change that we continue on with today. So we got to get rid of these stereotypes that we lean on we, we got to quit thinking about people the way the culture thinks about people. And, and we got to start th- seeing people the way God sees people, as beloved and equal. And any time, and this happened to me, and I think it's happened to you, regardless of the color of your skin, it's happened. You have thought yourself to be a little better than other people when you've run into certain types of people along the way. And that's the problem. And when that happens in your life and that happens in my life, we've got to repent and turn to God and ask Him for forgiveness and begin to treat all people equally. All people equally. So you can be as devout. You can fast twice a week and you can give all your money away. But how you view people and how you treat people is really the mile marker that God has for us. So I hope we'll pay attention to that. That we will not be the self-righteous Pharisee, but we'll be the humble tax collector begging God for his mercy. It will allow us to treat each other with such grace. Let's pray together. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this amazing sight. 
that you see everybody the same, equal before the cross, needing a Savior. Black, white, brown, and every color under the rainbow, we are all broken and fallen and all have sinned and fall short of your glory. So I pray that we would adopt not the view of the culture that classifies people and categorizes people and treats people accordingly, but we would see people from your kingdom perspective that all are created in your image and beloved. That we might lead the charge to not just changing legislation, but we would start a transformation in our own lives on how we view other people. God, we are guilty of this pharisaical mindset of thinking that we're better than others. And we don't want to be that way. We want to be the tax collector in this parable. So teach us how to do that with all humility. And may our church, as diverse as it is, be able to demonstrate and illustrate what heaven's going to look like, that people from every background are going to be able to get together and worship you and learn from one another and live in unity. So God, I'm so hopeful standing here today that we will see people the way you see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad you joined us. I hope you'll join us next week for our third installment of Mile Markers because we're going to Asheville, North Carolina, to the world-famous Biltmore House.